Welcome to Testimonies with Tiffany, the podcast that is sure to challenge and grow your faith. Join me as we hear personal testimonies from ordinary people having radical encounters with Jesus. Together, we'll learn the power of believing God and His Word. I hope it inspires you to look at how God is showing Himself faithful in your life and challenges you to step out and testify. Welcome back to Testimonies with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Tombry. So today's marks episode number 36, and I am always amazed every week at how God brings me the guest. Every week I find myself in prayer as Monday approaches, Tuesday, Wednesday. Who do you want to be guest on my podcast? Who has a story and has a voice that needs to be heard. And God is so faithful. I'll, I'll be just doing stuff with the kids. And God will just put someone's name on my spirit. Or I'll be just doing life. And someone will send me a text. Hey, I have a testimony. I want to share it. And so I'm excited about episode 36. I've actually been looking forward to these guests being on for quite some time now. And it just worked out to have them on. And and so I'm excited. You are in for some kind of treat. My guest today, as I was kind of getting my my mind on the episode and what the Lord was going to do, I, I heard the Lord say over this couple that their treasure in the hands of, of the Lord, their treasures in his hand. And um, they, they really are. And so I, I'm just excited to introduce to y'all my guests. They are Celebrate Recovery leaders at their local church, manager for a landscaping company. And Jeannie is the pro director for a women's drug treatment center here in Beaumont, Texas. They are proud grandparents to five grandbabies, and they have six kids together. They've been walking with the Lord since 2005, have a heart in loving people and helping people who are stuck in the grip of addiction come out. They are lovers. They are passionate lovers of Jesus. And I don't say that lightly. I, I, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Boomer and Jeannie Martinez. Hello, guys. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm so glad that that it finally worked out to have y'all on. I've been thinking about y'all. I reached out to Jeannie quite some time ago, and I'm just thankful that um, it all worked out and that y'all could be on today. So I am not going to ramble on anymore. I want to give y'all time to share your testimony and I look forward to it. It's my first time hearing it. And so um, I'll let y'all take it away. Well, where would we start? I mean, that's, that's, (laughs) there's such a, a long, broad, meaty testimony from us both. Um, I started my addiction in, um, when I was 14 years old. And when I say I started my addiction, I didn't just dabble in, in things for, for recreational purposes, I actually went full force once I got the mind-altering chemicals in my body. And that led to um, being a habitual runaway. And that led to my first rehabilitation in when I was 15 years old. Rehab was when I was 18 years old. And I actually left that one. Um, it was a two-year program, and I actually left it at 30 days. Um, and when I did that, I I left with a man and I got pregnant with my first child. So, and codependency 
was also a big player in, in my life. And, um, it wasn't until, um, I started putting a needle in my arm that my addiction really took my life. When I got my kids taken away, that was when my addiction spiraled out of control. And I started seeing felonies and the inside of jail cells. And, um, I've had my home shot at, I've had a gun to my head. Um, there's just a lot of things in that lifestyle that I went through. And, um, most people can say that, you know, I've, I've, I've never been that far. Or I've never gone that deep, but I think that when I was homeless, walking down the street with absolutely nothing to live for, nothing to look after, I think, um, I think that's when I, I hit my lowest point. I met, I met Jesus when I was in jail and, and, and it was reluctant because, um, as I was homeless, I, I was laying in the floor of a um, of an abandoned trailer house and um, and just pleading for help because I didn't know how to stop and I didn't have anywhere else to go and just just a pit that I was in. Um, and I just said, you know, if anybody's out there, I, I need some help. And it wasn't long after that that. I had been with some friends and uh, we walked out of, and um, since that day um, in 2005, not only did I have an encounter with Jesus, but I never put another needle in my arm and, and never wow. used methamphetamines again. Yeah. Um, for, first, I, I want to say real, real quick that uh, I absolutely love your husband, Travis. Uh, yeah. He, he, uh, quickly, whenever I came to, to Beaumont, Texas, uh, we live in Beaumont. Um, he was one of the first people I met out of prison mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I remember he picked me up because I, uh, I got, I got the opportunity to work with him and another individual by the name of David Henson. And, uh, these were, these were my first opportunities to see men of God doing men of God things wow. in, in a, in a, in a real world, you know? And, uh, I got it, I got into his, to, to Travis's car and he, he just had a big smile on his face and he was like, how you doing? And, uh, and I was like, this guy's. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's seven o'clock in the morning and I just like, I'm just leaving a halfway house. <laughs> and, uh, and from, from that, well, I only worked for, with him for a couple of weeks, but, but, but that was, he, he was talking about the Lord the whole time we were working. And, and that was the first time I'd ever seen an owner of a company that everybody was doing. And he said, Hey guys, let's get around and start praying. And, uh, and I just, I just had to say that I had to honor your husband because he was, he was, uh, he was one of the guys that, that really just, showed me what, what a man of God looks like in, in the workforce and stuff. So, um, wow. but let, let me rewind up. Uh, my name's Henry Martinez. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I got uh, three, three sisters and two brothers. Uh, my mother um, in, in Dallas, um, my father passed away in, in uh, May 20th, 1990, uh, 1999. Um, but came from a good family. You know, we, we had our issues, ups and downs, those things like that. Um, we, we fought with each other and we fought for each other. Um, but but unfortunately, uh, May twentieth, nineteen ninety nine. Like I said, my father passed away. He passed away from cirrhosis. And uh, before then, I, I I was always battling identity issues. Um, I was always feeling like that I needed to be um, uh, the the people that I was around, you know. And in, and in high school, that's kind of hard because there's so many groups of people, you know, so many uh, different clubs and cliques and those things like that that you can that you can fit into. Uh, that, that I just, I tried to fit into all of them. I, I, I was with the guy, the guys that play sports and I was with, with the guys that, you know, that, that, you know, just, just whatever the case may be, you know, so I was always 
trying to fit into a, a certain group because I, I I didn't fit in with myself. Um, and and uh, and all the way that just it really just made me go full force in, into drugs and alcohol. Um, I remember when, uh, the day that he passed away. I I walked outside uh, into the ho- uh, hospital parking lot in Dallas and uh, and I just started drinking and 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 unfortunately my kids saw that and um, you know for for years I, I was chasing a high that I was never going to catch you know catch catch up with it mm-hmm. and um, and I, I went from from I went from cocaine to to to, to crack cocaine and then I went to methamphetamines and and you know it, it, it could take me more than the allotted but but the result is is I've been to prison over four times uh, I've been to uh, numerous county jails numerous state jails numerous penitentiaries all across the state of Texas um, and 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 it was it was until uh, I think it was April of 2013 uh, I was at the Cofield unit in Tennessee Colony Texas and it is a four thousand man unit, and and I shouldn't have been on there, because it was a, it was a unit full of lifers, uh, you know, and I, and I and I I had let go of all those things previously in the first in the first three prison sentences that I that I was in, uh, I, I I drank in prison, I used drugs in prison the first three times, but it, it was in April twenty thirteen that I that I had decided to uh, do something different. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's many people that listen to this podcast and, and they can look at their kids right now and, and they couldn't fathom the idea of, of walking away from them and, 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 uh, and, and having something, you know, more valuable than them and, and choosing something over them, you know? Um, and, and unfortunately time and time again, I, I would choose drugs over my kids, my kids who, who are, are innocent and beautiful and, 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 and funny and, and, and just kind and compassionate. And just all those things that, that kids are, all those attributes of, of my children couldn't keep me from 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 using drugs, and and then I try to I try to quit drugs for my mother. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit in memory of my grandmother, and then of course I was like I'm gonna quit for my father because this is what I should do for him, and none of those things worked. So in April of of 2013, I was on the Cofield unit, and um, I was in a cell, and and I picked up the Bible, and I was just pretty upset that I wasn't getting visits and getting letters and stuff, and. And I just said, okay, Lord, you know what? This is this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to put you first in my life, uh, because this Bible that I'm reading it says, you know, Matthew six six thirty three says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, when I read that scripture, I was like, well, what does that mean? What is added to to that? You know, uh, does it include my mom? Does it include my brothers, my sisters, and and all those people that I don't have right now? And, and, and then after that, that little bit of, of, of anxiety uh, went away, I was like, okay, you know what you line up what's next. And I just went full force into it. I started reading the Bible. Uh, I found places, I found places in the Bible that I fit. Uh, one of the things that I loved about the, the apostle Paul was he would always say to the people of, and he would say the city and the, and the, and the people he knew and those things like that, and the churches in that area. And I would always add my name to the Bible in those letters and to Boomer on Cofield. And um, well, I would just find, find a, a, a place in, in the Bible because I didn't have a place in the world. Um, I've told people before that that I, I, I stuck to the New Testament for a, a good minute because when I when I went to the Old Testament, I really was just lost with names I couldn't pronounce and all these things and, and numbers in Deuteronomy just really, really just just puzzled me. But but as I got to know the New Testament, I, I found a path to pathway to the Old Testament and then I was able just to work my way back. Um, and I got involved in church there. I was, I, I was one of, one of the uh, chaplain's assistants. I was a clerk there and I, and I became very you know committed to, to walking this thing out. 
Um, one of the things that, you know, people talk about the persecution of, of Christians in, in the, in the, in the world in prison, it's just like that. You know, you, you know, you've chosen a, a way of life that you want to live. Are you watching something too, too much on TV that you shouldn't be watching or is your language matching your walk and those things like that. And it was, it was a very fine line to be a Christian in, in prison and, uh, and walk that, but, uh, but it was a commitment that I, that I, I gave, uh, everything that I had to. So, um, so, you know, but, and then just were really, really good. Um, but, but the one thing that the enemy knows how to do is he knows how to attack those, those areas in your life that, that you're still working on, mm. um, or you've ignored, you know, a lot, a lot of people that come to celebrate recovery, they, they want a lot of things like that. They want to say, if you could just help me get over this, you know, and, and for, for us to go to Jesus to say, I just need you, I just need you to have this, this area of my life. I'm going to give you access to this, but this other part's a little bit ugly. So I, I don't want to bother you with that. So I'm, I'm just going to keep continuing to work on that on my own. Um, and I had those areas. I had those areas. Jesus, I want you to bring my kids back. Um, I want a great job. Uh, I want a place to live. And, and uh, you know, I want the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. But but I, but other than that, there's some things that, that, that are just really just too hard for me to talk about. There's there's too many things. There's so many things that, that there's I'm just still scared of. And, I, and I'll deal with those. The enemy was able to talk me into to drinking again. And uh, I left the halfway house and I had to go back to prison for another 18 months. Uh, but it was it was the greatest uh, it was the greatest time I've ever had because in prison um, before I left and they were having these uh, services called fire services. And there was an individual there that said, uh, he said, I have a word. I have a word from, uh, from the Lord for you. And uh, I want I want to give it to you. Is that OK? And I said, yes. And uh, he said, the Lord says you're going to go back to prison and it is there that you're going to you're going to see what your ministry is going to. Wow. No. <laughs> I told him, I said, he's, he, he goes, he said, what do you think about that? I said, the Lord didn't tell you that because the Lord knows in my mind, I'm fixing to go back to Dallas and I'm going to start using drugs. And he started laughing. He was like, okay. He said, I'll let you think that, but, but the Lord has a plan for you. So I said, okay. And I got there and, and the Lord just gave me opportunity to pray for people. Uh, he gave me the opportunity to, to uh, talk to people about their problems. And he put me in front of people and just, I just talked about what I've been through and, and what is, what has happened to me, the things that I've, I've learned. And uh, it was just crazy. It, it, I had, I was, I was praying for inmates in the, in the middle of the hallways. I was praying for the chaplain. That was it. That was assigned to the unit. I was praying for officers. Um, and, and our prayers that uh, were doing things that were just absolutely incredible. Uh, one kid came up to me and said, Hey, can you, uh, can you pray for me? Because my son's going to be born and I'm not, I'm not going to see him for, for two years. And I really would just like to see him uh, just, you know, if I could. And I said, okay, well, let's pray that. And I said, Father, I said, let's do a miracle. Father I said, can you get this man to see his son before this journey of his sentence begins? And a week later, he comes up to me and he has all this stuff. And the officers are some of the ones that I had overcome, but yet some of the ones I was still working on. So, mm. and it was just great. And I came back to Beaumont and, uh, and uh, just things just started working really, really good. And, and I met Jeannie and it just, that got even better because, you know, I really wasn't looking for her. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want a wife. I, I'd already had one and, and, and I had failed miserably at it. And, uh, and I was scared because, you know, the, the Bible says that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that was, that was scary because I just, I just didn't, I, I knew of him, but I didn't know him. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and in this, and in meeting Jeannie, 
um, I, I was very just timid and nervous because this this woman that had been through so much, you know, deserved so much. We just we took our time and and uh, we had a we know we had common goals, we had common uh, beliefs, we had a a common desire to to help people. Um, you know, fifteen years of, of drugs and alcohol and prison is a lot, and and I'm thankful that I I came out of prison, you know, of of, of sound mind, and, mm. and 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 just being able to to recognize the things that I've been through and 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 do something about it and 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 use that, you know, and Jeannie does that just as well. Yeah, I think God was really. Um, we were on two separate roads, but He was preparing us for each other um, because. Uh, my third treatment center, that's when I was introduced to the Lord through a song um, from Mercy Me, I Can Only Imagine. And that busted my heart wide open to actually figuring out that this was a real relationship that you can have. But while I was in treatment, um, I lived in I lived in Tyler, Texas. Well, after treatment, I was actually homeless and had nowhere to go. Uh, my family had washed their hands of me. So it, I, it was just me and Jesus. I was on my own. And at there, I stayed at a Salvation Army, and um, and, and my walk with Christ just kept getting stronger and stronger. Because while I was in treatment, my counselor helped me set up to go to college right there in Tyler. So not only was I staying in a homeless shelter and watching mamas with their babies and on Christmas morning, which was very humbling for me, but I was also choosing to walk the steps of going to my recovery meetings, um, following the rules while I was getting on a bus and going to school. And while you're in that school, nobody knows your situation. Nobody knows what you're going through. And um, I started taking the steps to be a substance abuse counselor. Um, I wanted to know what tore my life up. I wanted to know what in the world, um, uh, not be able to be a mom or a daughter or a friend. And so I learned it. I mean, when you're focused on something and you want to learn about something, you want to learn from top to bottom. And that's what I did. I, I threw myself into it and, um, and I would ride the bus to school. I'd go to school, then I'd ride the bus to work, and then, and then I would do it all over again the next day and the next day and the next day until it became a habit and um so my my walk started getting so far in front of me that that I I didn't look behind me anymore Mm. um to be able to I was building my testimony and um when I met Henry I wasn't I wasn't looking for him either I was coming out of a a seven-year marriage that I was in um who I wasn't equally yoked to and um and um, I didn't know how to be a, 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 a Proverbs 31 woman yet, you know. And so when we met, we were just in a, in a friendship stage and a brother, sister of Christ stage and, and started sharing things with each other. And, you know, I would watch this man and um, we went to the same church in Tyler and I would watch him worshiping the Lord like no one else was around with his hands in the air and. And I, and I would, and I would say, man, I just, I, I God, I really want a man like that. And I would say that over and over again until one day God just lifted the veil off my eyes and was like, Jeannie, <laughs> that's him. Like that, that's him. And, it, and this happened during mid conversation as I'm talking to her <laughs> about, about a movie and she's looking at me and then she's like, these, her eyes just get really, really big and she, 
turns just turns directly around and walks off. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what what just happened to that woman, man? And she didn't come back. And I was like, okay. I was scared. I was like, whoa. It really was like a veil was just lifted up. And I saw him as a completely different person. Wow. Bring to me, that's him. Mm-hmm. That's him. And I was like, no way. And but but the crazy part about it is is that we started our relationship in Tyler and I had had a heart condition and um this was I was going down the path to have to have surgery. Specialist and I'd been on three different monitors and and Boomer told me he said I've got to get you down to Beaumont to get you prayed for and I was like I don't need to go down to Beaumont we have a great church here. He's like, no, there's some really powerful people that that can pray over you. And finally, reluctantly, we, I walked into the church and I could and I could feel the tangible spirit of God. And and during worship, I was just free to raise my hands and, and let God love on me. And that's I've never felt the love of God like I felt in this church. And he told me where I want you. And I and I was like, okay. And I tell the funny story because after church, we went to Market Basket. And, and Tyler doesn't have Market Baskets. But we went to the Market Basket behind the church. And if you could go to any Market Basket, this was the wrong one for me to step <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, oh, no, God, we are not doing this. I am not moving here. Um, but lo and behold, a couple of months later, he was invited back to the Celebrate Recovery here that he had joined while he was in treatment. And again, God said, Jeannie, you've prayed to be on the front lines of recovery, and this is it. This is where I want you. And my only excuse for not really picking up and moving down here was I didn't want to leave my daughter again because I left her for six years during my day when she was six, and she came back to me when she was 12. And so that relationship was finally bonded in a place to where I had a grandbaby and a very good relationship with her. And there's no way I was going to pick up and leave. I just, I wasn't going to do that to her. She moved three, actually three weeks after we got married and signed a new lease to our apartment, she moved back up home three hours away. So God was like, what, what excuse do you have now? Like, you know, I just, I took away all excuses from you. And so I looked at him Let's do it. and I, I think we maxed out all of our credit cards, every penny that we had. Well, look, our, our, I mean, I'm, I'm not, okay. So I, I, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a phrase in, in treatment, a drug treatment where they say, don't, don't use uh we statements, use I. Um, so I, uh, our, our, our journey has been different because, um, we had, a, I, I had a lot of catching up to do. I just, just left prison. I've been locked up from 2013 all the way to 20 to, to from 2012 to 2016, got out in 2016 and was out for like a month and then went directly back. Um, so I, I was, I was getting used to working. I was getting used to all these things and, and, and we were barely making it. Yeah. Uh, we were barely making it. And uh, we had saved, we saved up some money and stuff and, and uh, some old court fees and stuff that I needed to pay for. Uh, they came up and it wiped us out. Mm-hmm. Jeannie had got a job at the drug treatment center. Um, and we had, we had got everything, reserved everything, U-Haul, apartment and stuff. And we just, I mean, in hindsight, we probably could have done something a little bit different, but 
we just dove headfirst into this because we just felt like we needed to be where we trusted the Lord that if if we made any mistakes in judgment as far as finances and stuff like that, because I mean, we, me and me and Jeannie are very transparent. We 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 just said, you know what, we're we're going to do this because this is what we need to do, and we got here, and mm-hmm. and it was a struggle, but but today this this we're going to do the, uh, the podcast today. Um, I was she was I was like, well, where, where are we going to do it at? And she was like, here at the house. And I was like, are you serious? That is awesome. You know, I, I could just, you know, not, you know, I had not get dressed. I'm wearing sweats and a gray t-shirt <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, I'm just sitting here. But, but the thing, what I thought about was, is fixing a podcast in, in my own home where mm-hmm. Tiffany, but my, my jail cell used to be six by nine. That was my life yeah. for, for years, six feet by nine feet. And, and, and today I'm in, I'm in an apartment that's, you know, close to a thousand square feet and, 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 and I can move and I can, I don't have to ask people to, to turn the TV on or, or lights and those things like that. And it's, it's actually 1200 square feet. Ooh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but the, the thing was, is that it was like, you know, God, it, God, this is, this is looking really scary to move to Beaumont because it doesn't seem like it's the right time. And, 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 and we get here and things just started falling and falling into place. You know, uh, after we went through her or tornado, whatever it is, Melda, Imelda. that was our very mm. first welcome to Southeast Texas yes. <laughs> was uh, Melda. I'm just blown away. Just square feet. Like I'm like holding back tears, trying to gather myself. I too met Jesus in jail. Um, and it was a radical encounter. Um, and so I feel like I, I, I can relate so much to that, but just, the just how God, like, I just feel like if anybody's listening, if you're listening right now and boomer, man, you hit a lot of points. And I was writing down as you were talking, the Holy spirit was just moving. Like boomer said this, he said there were areas of his heart. He ignored. If you have areas in your heart that you're holding back from letting Jesus touch, I implore you give them to Jesus. You know, I, I too, like I used to tell people all the time. I'm like, Oh my my alcohol, like the alcohol, it's not a problem. It's the, in my mind, I was thinking it's the solution to my problem. Now, obviously y'all know that, no, it's not. Jesus Christ is the, if you're listening, Jesus Christ is the answer to whatever problem you're facing today. And you know, it, it's boomer. As you were talking, Jeannie, as you were talking, the scripture, Psalm 107, 20, you know, it, it says, um, God sent his word and he healed them. And then my, the next part is so powerful. It says, and he delivered them from death's door. That's literally what huh. God did in both of your lives is that he sent his word. Boomer, you said you just found a Bible and you picked it up and you started reading and you just started feeding on God's word. And, and if you're listening right now, I, I just feel like they're such a perfect example of like, not, I don't, they didn't know what to do. The same with me. I don't know what to do. Like, okay, here's a Bible. Let's just read it. The The word of God is alive and active. It is powerful. And Holy Spirit will begin to speak as soon as you open that thing up and you just let God have his way. Like, just like Boomer and Jeannie said, I don't know. Like, okay, God, if you're real, I'm going to read this. You're going to talk to me. And just how God showed his faithfulness to y'all time and time again. And literally like he sent his word, Psalm 10720, he sent his word and he healed you. He began to renew your mind. And as you were talking, Boomer, and you talked 
word you got. This has been so big on my podcast. I, I, I literally quote this every I think that if I have any faithful listeners, they ought to have the scripture memorized by now. First Timothy 1.17, Paul charges Timothy, remember the words that were spoken over you that you can fight. And he's talking about the, the promises from God, the prophetic words. And I, I love how you received the word and in your heart, you thought, yeah, no way. But then yeah. look what God did. He fulfilled it. And um, I felt like I heard the Lord say, your greatest pain, you and Jeannie's greatest pain is now your greatest pain ministry. Like God doesn't, that's how good our God is, is that he doesn't waste anything, even in our own sin and our own bad choices. Romans 8, 28, he can take those very things and use them for our good and for his glory. And I I just, your life is just like, I feel like it screams that without y'all even saying anything like your life. I heard, I heard this quote one time. It said that, some people, the only Bible people may ever read is your life. Like, no, there may be people that never pick up a Bible, but they're in your sphere of influence and they're watching you day in and day out. Either your life, they're proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ or it's not. And um, yeah. I'm can't wait to tell Travis and share with Travis Boomer. I know you have a special place in his heart. I can remember him coming home and telling me about this guy that he met and he picked up for work and how he just talked to you about the Lord. And and then I remember one day you didn't show up for work again. And I remember Travis saying that, that guy, I don't know where Henry's at. He would talk, he would say it literally for weeks. He was like, I don't know what happened. I'm worried about Henry and he would pray for you. And so I can't wait for him to listen to this and, and just share it with them. But those are just some things that I felt like the Lord was just kind of setting on is that, you know, we, we all have issues in our heart. And I kind of touched on this in the last episode, Psalm 139, David says, search my heart. Oh God. And, and, and try it. Let me know if there's any wicked thing in me. It's so important that we're constantly bringing our heart before the surrendering the areas that are really scary that we think in our own strength we can fix yeah, um, sure. because obviously God does it way better and and he's he's so kind and and gentle even even when we have yuck like yeah. he can kind and compassionate through it yeah you know and, and I, I like whenever you talked about uh you know uh, people we may be the only bible that, that people may see you know what i'm saying um like that real shiny uh genuine leather bible you know at, at mardell's or, or barnes and nobles uh are, are we we're scarred we're, we're you know the pages are bent you know and, and 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 there's maybe a couple of chunks taken out of it you know but but that's that's where we're our pain is relatable but at the same time too our, our recovery can be relatable you know um uh, it's, it's, I tell people all the time, you know, you, you can grow through what you go through. I, I tell that to everybody that we, we go to treatment centers. I speak to different celebrate recoveries in, in the state of Texas. You, you can, you can do any God, uh, and, and, and be successful at it. I mean, they're just, you just have to, you have to believe that he can do more for you than, than what you've done for yourself. And once, once you, once you understand that, then I, I, I tell the guys all the time, uh, my most important part of my recovery was the book of Ephesians, who I was in Christ. It told me where I was seated at. It told me how to walk. It told me how to talk. It told me how to, how to, how to arm up when I left the house. And, and once you get that type of foundation, that Ephesians foundation, I mean, you can start building a, a house that, that, it, you know, that's, that's never going to waver or, 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 you know, fall apart. 
Amen. But I mean, there's, there's always hope there in that. Well, I think that his timing is also so beautiful too, because when I was sitting in the Salvation Army, I never thought that years down the road, I would be the program director for the exact treatment center that my own husband or that we would be leaders of the CR where he first got that word at. So I, I just never could have imagined that the, that the promises that God was giving me long time ago would end up like this. I mean, yeah. a full circle. Well, of course, the Mountain Center is now a women's treatment center, and I can I can flood into their lives, and and we, I, we've been prophesied over so many times that we are going to be a mother and father to many, and uh, and I and we are we we really are we are that figure, and it's just because of the things that we've been through that we we're able to minister to them like we do. Yes. You know, Boomer, I was thinking you were saying, you know, we're not that shiny Bible. And the truth of the matter is like, when I think about, you know, the, uh, uh, someone who portrays perfection for some reason, like, I kind of think like, well, that's a spirit of religion because there's something absolutely beautiful about a conversation like this, a candid, real, raw and vulnerable conversation i think that as children of god we have to get back to vulnerability we have to get back to just being real we have issues and and we have a god that is mighty just you know portraying to people that like yeah we don't live these perfect lives but but yeah. when we mess up we're quick to repent we're quick to ask for forgiveness we're quick to seek out counsel we're quick to run to the feet of Jesus that's yeah. the type of bible i want to pick up i don't yeah. want to pick up a bible that you know everything looks picture perfect on the outside but on the inside it's just a rotting mess yeah yeah because i mean humility humility will take you to the altar time and time again and, 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 and that's just, that's something that I've, I've, I've learned. I mean, I've, I've been sober over, over five years now going on, it'll be six at the end of, at the end of December. And, and just because I'm sober doesn't necessarily mean that I, I still don't have, you know, my issues, you know, uh, I'm a man in, in a fallen world, watch the news and I don't like what I see. And, and, and I, and I don't like some of the conversations that go on around me. And, and I, I have to learn how to deal with those because I'm responsible for, for my actions and, and my words, because I, I represent a kingdom, you know? And, 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 and at the same time, you know, when me and Jeannie are around the center of the women at the women's treatment center, we know that, that people are watching us because there's people in there that number one, that don't have a home, that don't have a family that maybe wish to be married one day. And, and they ask us, how did, how did you get what you've got right now? And, and we always tell them it was, it's a lot of hard work and it's, it's work. Mm-hmm. Me, me and Jeannie are always transparent with, transparent with these people. You know, we, we talked about, you know, there's, there's occasions where me and Jeannie have had disagreements about finances. There's disagreements about we've had over, uh, you know, when, when COVID first came out, you know, there's disagreements we've had over, you know, the, the news and, and Jeannie tends to not want to watch what's going on. And, and I want to watch the news because I kind of want to be prepared for, for what may happen. And, and sometimes those type of moments, you know, they, they, they bring, you know, some type of, you know, you know, confrontation or, or, or talks and stuff like that. But, but what we tell everybody is, is that, you know, the world's the, the world will, will confront you with so many things, but it's up to us. You know, how, how do we say that? It, we we have the, we have the ability to, to let them come against us. They may come against us, 
but it's up to, it's up to us to decide if we want it to come between us you know oh, that's good that's and, good and the and the only thing you know hopefully at the end of the day regardless of all this the holy spirit because that's that's the 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 you know the glue that holds us together Amen. Um, because you know Jeannie's a handful sometimes stop she <laughs> <laughs> You just wait till we get off this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know something else I want to touch on in case someone's listening? And um, I I dealt with this in my season. I'm sure both of you can attest is that sin has consequences, period. And this is something I'm trying to teach my kids is that you are faced with choices every single day, multiple times a day. And a good choice has a good consequence and a bad choice has a bad consequence. I try to teach them that choice define who you are. Mm-hmm. Only God can define who you are. And with that, I remember when I went to jail, I passed out on an interstate. By the grace of God, I didn't kill somebody and somebody didn't get killed. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh, I just, I just went out of here. I was so prideful. Just like I don't belong here. And I remember the Lord like flat out telling me you your choices got you here and if you continue down this road it's going to lead to death and i had a powerful encounter with jesus in the jail cell but the year following that it was i will it was it was it was meetings it was probation it was um fines so many fines i had to walk to work because my car was impounded i had a breath when i got it back i had a breathalyzer in my car for a year Right. So I walked through a season of humility where God was just breaking me down, allowing these things to break me down because I was so independent. I didn't want to look to the Lord because at that time I viewed I viewed my heavenly father as the men that I'd had unhealthy relationships in and uh, my earthly father, some stuff that went on there. I had viewed earth, my heavenly father, very pervertedly and distortedly. And and he's going to leave me, reject me, abandon me, hurt me, or I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z until he gets me out of this mess. And it was just when I surrendered it all, I said, I don't understand. I just need you to save my life. And, you know, you had mentioned those last 18 months of your life was the best part of your life. And I feel like the same for me is when I went to jail in that year is because I learned that I needed God every day when I woke up, I needed him to feed me. I needed him to help me get me to work. I needed him to help me do everything. So I feel like if there's people listening and you think like, oh, well, I've made all of these choices out of sin, your sin still has consequences, but God is so faithful. He is so kind. He will walk with you through all of it. He will walk with you through the mess of it. I remember walking to work, just bawling. Like I don't have a car. Like in my mind, I'm thinking I should be married. I should have kids. I should have graduated college. Like, no, what have I done with my life? But God would meet me and he'd begin, just like you said, you got into Ephesians where God began to speak to you, your identity. He did the same for me. No, you are, you're accepted in the beloved. No, you've been bought with the price of Jesus Christ. No, you've been, your sins have been washed away. All of these choices don't define you, but there are consequences. And you, and, and as children of God, we obey the laws of the land. And so you know, that's, that's just what we did. So if you're listening and and you're just like, Oh, I, I don't, I don't want to deal with these consequences or I don't want to go through this. 
I would encourage you to invite God into it. He wants to go through. He wants to be in the mess with you. No mess is too big for God. It doesn't surprise God. It doesn't make God mad. He wants to, he wants to show his love to you through the mess. He wants to show you as Jehovah Raphael, the healer. He wants to show himself as Jehovah Nisi, your victory, your banner. He wants to show himself as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He wants to show himself faithful in the middle of your mess, just like he did for Boomer, just like he did for Jeannie. Like I'm listening to y'all's story and in case you're listening to, like they could not have orchestrated this if they tried. Yeah. If they tried that, that Jeannie would work at the very facility that her husband w- went through, that they would be plugged into this church and now be the directors over the addiction program. And let's just talk about that for a second. Boomer, I've heard you talk about this, that Celebrate Recovery is not just about drugs and alcohol. You could be listening right now and have an addiction to buying clothes. Instead of turning to Jesus, you're retailing therapy. Instead of turning to Jesus, you're gossiping. Instead of turning to Jesus, you're looking at pornography. Instead of turning to Jesus, you're you have a little affair on the side. Instead of turning to Jesus, you know, whatever it is, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, an addiction doesn't have to be like substances, alcohol or drugs, but just listening to y'all, I just want to communicate to the listeners, like, that's how good God is, is that of Boomer and Jeannie's life, like, he has strategically placed them in these positions to minister to people. I heard the Lord say earlier, and I want to share this with you, that he's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. See, the thing that sets Jeannie and Boomer apart is that they're available to God. It's not necessarily that they have all these PhDs or that they, you know, do this or do that, or they've been in church 50 years and they are elders and write these pretty shiny Bibles that we were talking about earlier. No, they are available. They are two vessels that are lovers of Jesus that say, God, if you send me, I'm going to go. God, if you tell me to do this or do that, I'm going to do it. And they do it with joy. And, um, and so anyways, just as you were talking, those are some other things that just popped up. Yeah, those are, those are all, all good things. And, and that's, you know, that's, you know, whenever you're speaking to the listeners, I mean, that's, there's probably a lot of them out there that, that just don't understand that, you know, the world, the world, you, you have to, you have to jump people. The world says, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. And that right there keeps a lot of people from, from really kind of trying to rebuild because it's like, well, I mean, what good is it going to do? Because you know, you're never going to forget what I did. So you're always going to remember that and hold that against me. And, and people that, that come to celebrate recovery, we have, we get them to understand that, you know, there's no, there's no hoops or hurdles, you know, with Jesus, there's no hoops or hurdles that you have to jump through or, or jump to, to get, get to what he's offering. I mean, the only thing that Jesus says is there's a gate it's narrow, but it's doable. As long as you're with me, that gate is is there for you to walk through, and, and and let's do this together, and 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 that and the celebrate recovery program it works with everything, like you said, gossip. Uh, I mean, you know, overeating disorders, those things like that, and 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 there's many uh, there's many I guess what you would call um, socially acceptable in a sense, you know, like mm-hmm. not the drug addiction and not the alcohol, you know, what I'm saying, but but things that people go through that that they really don't have to go through because they think it's not as severe as the alcohol and the drugs or those things like that, you know, um, we have people that we have people that, that, that go to CR for, 
for things like, you know, just you fear, know, fear of, of, you know, a previous abortion and those things like that. We we have many people that that go for all different types of of of, uh, of issue recovery is, is that is that what I learned a long time ago. Um, and I and I and I give respect and honor to, to AA and NA. They helped me. They led me to to celebrate recovery. But um, in, in, in celebrate recovery, Jesus is the focal point of everything that we do. And, and it's it's an all encompassing word because some people might not have the same uh, higher power than you. And uh, and I, but I but I know that the Bible says that if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels in heaven. And 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 I, and I want to cash in on that promise every day. Amen. You know, I, I want heaven saying, oh, there he goes. again." Amen. Boomer, that's there so good. There's this. That is so good. There's a scripture in Acts. It's when um, Stephen of Sakaia, I think I'm saying that right. I may not be, but he's like trying to cast these demons out. And he's like, in the name of Paul's Jesus. And he tries to cast them out. And the demons immediately speak to him. And they say, Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. But who are you? And immediately the Bible records that these demons came over this man and like harassed him and tormented him. And the Lord has spoke to me. He said, you know that you can have a reputation in the spirit. See, that man had a reputation. Paul had a reputation in the spirit. Jesus had a reputation in the spirit. The demons recognized it. And they yeah. said, Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. And and so I'm, I'm with you on that, Boomer. I want to cash in on, you know, having a reputation in heaven, having a yeah. reputation in the spirit realm that, oh, no, I'm not going to mess with her because she knows who she is in Christ. I yeah. know that if she opens her mouth and speaks the name of Jesus, my mission here is aborted. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So good. Hey, I want to touch on one more thing. You said, you said people, this world likes to forgive, but not forget. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. The Bible says that our, because of what Jesus did on the cross, that our, when we confess our sins to God, that he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. Yeah. So if you're listening right now and you're, you're thinking, well, God can't forgive me. Our pastor preached on this today. He said, no, God has already forgiven you. Jesus already paid the price. The blood has already been shed. It's, it's us having to believe like when I confess it to the father, he forgets it. Like yeah. there's sometimes that I'll bring something up and I'll have that thought where it's like God saying, Tiffany, I, I don't even know what you're talking about because yeah. I've already repented, but I, but because of shame and guilt and condemnation, I keep feeling the need to repent when I, yeah. when I've already no, but God's already thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness enemy, yeah. you know, devil is a liar. So I just, I wanted to share that too, that if you're listening and you feel like, Oh, your sin is too great that God cannot forgive you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I speak truth right now. And I declare that you hear my voice and your heart is good soil and you receive the word of the Lord that that Jesus paid the price for your sins to be washed clean. And when you ask God for forgiveness, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. It is gone. He your your sins from the past, the present and the future, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word and it covers it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I do too. So good. I'm so thankful for y'all. I'm thankful that I got to hear your story. This is my first time. And I, man, I know that y'all are so loved by our church. And um, I know my husband loves your husband, Jeannie. And um, I'm just thankful that y'all came on and shared your testimony. And um, it's powerful. 
I would love if we could close out in prayer and have y'all pray just as, as this Holy Spirit leads and uh, I'll, I'll close up in prayer and that'll conclude our episode. But I, um, I would really, really be honored and appreciate if y'all would open us up in some prayer. Okay. Um, um, Heavenly Father, I just, I just want to thank you, Father God, for, uh, for the three individuals uh, in this moment right now, Father God, the, the individual testimonies you've given us and, uh, and just the, the path that you've put us on, Father God, to, to be voices and, and, to, and to be participants of what you're trying to do uh, on this earth. And uh, Father God, right now, I just, I just want to speak to those people that are listening right now that, 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 that see the gospel as, as something complicated. I just want to speak to, to the simplicity of it. It's, it's just uh, the heart of your door being opened up and allowing Jesus to come in and then letting him make a home. And, uh, and Father, I just, I just ask right now that, that those people that are having a hard time, Father God, understanding who you are, Father, that, that people will be sent their way to, to show them what, what in action and in word, Father, uh, that, that they, would, they would find a place in a, in a church or a recovery program, Father God, where, where they could begin the process of, of starting over, Father. Um, I, I, I speak right now to, to the prodigals that are out there, Father God, that, yeah. that, that you have a place to come home to. And, and, and that doesn't necessarily you know, like a house or an apartment, but it could be a treatment center, Father God, like you did for my wife, Father, where she had nowhere to go. And, and, and that she was a prodigal that came home to a Salvation Army. And there, Father God, you built her back up to be the woman who she is today. And, Father God, that woman who she is today can easily be that, that, that woman that's listening. Uh, yes. It could be the, the, the husband that, that, that has become wayward, Father God. It could be the son that, that is in desperate need of, of direction, Father God. What you've done in, in our lives collectively, Father God, you can do for, for anybody, Father God. You're, you're not a God that, that, that will, will, will be stingy with the promises that you've given us, Father God. You're a promise keeper, and you've never been a promise breaker. So, Father God, I, re I release uh, the, yeah. the, the keys of identity that, that they may be used, Father God, to, to see what, what, what is capable, Father God, whenever you are the foundation of a life, Father God. Uh, we just call those prodigals back home today, Father God. We don't we don't call them out. We call them back in, Father God. To, to and I just and I just ask, Father God, that that this that this uh, this podcast, Father God, it reached the intended audience, Father God. Those people that that are getting uh, the gospel through 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 this uh, platform, Father God, because it's going to lead them to a deeper understanding of who you are, Father God. Because let our testimonies lead others to their own testimonies, Father God. Let our transformation uh, be the beginning of someone's breakthrough, Father God. And I just ask, Father God, that you just uh, you just continue to to bless this platform, Father God. That that it reach many, Father God. That it just that the net has. Thank you, Father. That there's going to be plenty there, Father God. That are seeking, Father God. That are hungry, Father God. But more importantly, Father God, that are just wanting so much just to touch the hem of your garment, so the yeah. healing can can take place, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I, I feel led that I just want to speak to the mom. Yes. The mamas that are on their knees day in and day out for that prodigal son or daughter that has gone out. Um, I just I want to let you know that um, it says in the Bible that the prayers of a righteous and I'm going to say woman availeth much. So I, I every tear that that you pray is is just getting your baby home um just every single time that you open your mouth to father he is he is bringing them home and he is building them up and and don't ever stop and and don't ever waver just keep praying for those babies and father god i ask that you put 
um, a heavenly blanket around those mamas um, because the heart that they have and the hold that's in their heart right now for their for their son or daughter that may not be home and stuck in addiction or a cycle of a hurt or habit or a hang up. Father God, I know that they need just that that blanket of reassurance. Yes, rest and love, and then that's yes. your name. Amen. Yes, Father, I thank you so much for Jeannie and Boomer. God, I bless the work of their hands, Father. I thank you that they are treasure in your hands, Father. I thank you that you turned their life around, Father, that they cried out to you and that you saved them. The Bible says those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're listening right now, Jesus died on a cross. He, he lived a perfect life died on a cross. His blood was shed in the ground. Three days he rose again and he's coming back. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and you shall be saved. It is that simple. So if you're listening and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it is not by accident or coincidence that you're listening to my voice right now. This is your day of salvation. And so you just cry out. You say, Jesus, come and take residence up in my heart. I'm a sinner. And I ask that you cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And the Bible says that the angels are rejoicing in heaven. There is literally a party going on in heaven right now because you said yes to Jesus. And your name has now been written in the Lamb's book of life. And it's the best decision you could ever make. Father, I pray for those who said yes to you, God, that you would begin to send godly men and women into their life. God, that just like Boomer said, examples that they would point them back to the feet of Jesus, back to your feet, Jesus. God, I pray for those that are, are in this in this mind frame of that you were, it's my mess is too big. My mess is too big. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I declare Romans eight twenty eight over your mind right now that God will work all things together for your good and his glory. Genesis 50, 20, what the devil has meant for bad. God means for good. John 10, 10, the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus Christ has come to give you who is listening life and life more abundantly. Father, I thank you. For this, this couple right here, I bless them in your name. God, I ask that you would continue to minister to them and they would continue to be a conduit for the things of the kingdom of God, that they would continue to advance the kingdom. They would continue to be a, a representation of you to all they come in contact with. God, I pray for favor over their sphere of influence. I pray for an increase of provision to come right now, God. I pray for upgrades in Jesus' name. I hear the word upgrades. I declare it and release it right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for every man, woman, and child listening to my voice. I declare number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. God, I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you, Lord, that those that listen to Jenny and Boomer today were blessed, God, and that they now searching their heart and they're coming before you and they're laying things down at your feet, God, and you're going to begin to give them a testimony. You're going to begin to put songs of deliverance in their mouth, God. And I pray, God, that the people listening of boldness come on them to open their mouth and testify that we would be found faithful stewards of our testimony that every time like boomer said there's an opportunity that we work with you jesus that we open our mouth and we we declare your works father that we would be that we would have a reputation in heaven for for doing what you have called us to do and doing it well may we be men and women of god who walk
worthy of the call that's been placed on our life. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name. Well, guys, oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being guests on my podcast. And I'm I just am, I'm really speechless. I'm blown away. We thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tiffany. Well, that's all today on Testimonies with Tiffany. Remember, you do what's possible and let God do what's impossible. Thanks for listening to Testimonies with Tiffany. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review online. To catch all the latest from Tiffany, you can follow her on Instagram at TifferTom, and you can subscribe to her email list to get exclusive updates at TravisAndTiffanyTombry.com. That's all spelled out. (laughs) Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back to Testimonies with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Tombry. On today's episode, I am going to be sharing one of my family's personal testimonies. And I just felt like it was fitting last week. On last week's episode, I had on Francine Ivy and the testimony of one of our family members had come up in conversation. And that is my second son, Samuel Mark Tombry. And so today, I just wanted to share his testimony of just um, how we experienced God's grace in a very challenging season in life and how we experienced God as Jehovah Rapha, the healer, how we experienced Him as the comforter, how we experienced Him as the as Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And so I'm excited to share with you um, just Samuel's journey. So Samuel was born um, November 10th, 2016, and he was nine pounds, eight ounces, and he was 20 inches long. And it was a long labor, a big baby, and we were just excited to meet him as every parent is when they're expecting. And there's nothing like carrying a child for nine months and then, um, you know, laboring and going through that process and then birthing your, your child and then holding them for the first time. I remember just being ecstatic that we had, that God had added another son to, to our family. And, and so it, it, the journey began, right? as bonding with him in the womb and and going through this pregnancy and and it was challenging the pregnancy was very challenging um i had heg which is a condition that some women get when they're where they're extremely nauseous and vomiting um i would vomit multiple times a day for 20 weeks straight i had to have with samuel i actually had to have a pick line put in and getting iv fluids three times a week i was going um, and having that switched out from, you know, every few weeks. And, and so it was just, it was crazy, but God was faithful through it all. 
I leaned on him and I trusted in him. And it's so neat with every pregnancy, God has been gracious to give me and my husband dreams. And in these dreams, God shows us in part the call that's been placed on our children's life. And he's shown us attributes of our kid and what they look like and what gender they are long before science um, or technology can verify that. And so God's just been so faithful to give us dreams. And so, of course, before Samuel, we knew that Samuel was a boy. We had had a dream and God had spoke to us about Samuel. And and so we were just encouraged and excited. And so I give birth to Samuel. And the thing they do in the hospital is they before they dismiss you, they have to do a hearing test on your child to make sure that you know, your child's hearing properly. And so Samuel comes in and we go through the process and he fails his first hearing test. And so they're like, we need to take it again. And so they do the hearing process again and he fails it again. And so they're like, we're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to give him a day and we need him to pass the, you know, this time, or we're going to have to refer y'all to a specialist because there's probably an issue. And so me and my husband began to pray over Samuel, declaring that he hears and that he he was formed properly in my womb and that if there was any blockage, we commanded it to come out. And so they the next day comes and we get him tested and he passes and we praise the Lord. And we go home and, and, journey, and the, you know, the journey continues at home. And for anyone listening, if you are a mom, you know what the newborn stage is like. It's rewarding yet exhausting. It's it's joyful but also just taxing. It's it's all the things. And so we embarked on this newborn journey. It's our second child and um you know as as the months passed, he began to show some signs that were concerning. Um he was a late crawler, he was a late walker. And it got to the point where he was a little over a year, not quite a year and a half. It's between a year and a year and a half old that um, he would just, I'd, I'd call his name multiple times and he would like not even respond to me or, um, you know, turn his head into the direction of my voice. And there were times that I thought, oh my goodness, I have a strong-willed child, what everybody talks about. People talk about strong-willed child in such a negative sense, like it's a terrible thing. And and I just stepped into that culture definition and just thought, oh my gosh, like this is awful. But I am here to say that strong-willed children, it's not a bad thing. It's actually it's a gift that, and, and it's the way that God's wired them. And we need wisdom as parents in knowing how to steward it and knowing how to, to steer it in a way that's a strength and not a weakness. And so um, that's just something that the Lord has, has shown me as I've parented is that we, we need to be careful as parents putting labels on our children and coming into agreement with what the world defines um, certain behaviors or characteristics as. And so on this journey, Samuel began to develop some really interesting um, habits. He would flap his hands. He would um, line toys up in a row. He would only eat certain foods, only the color orange, and they had to be crunchy textures. And And so these habits continued. And of course, as a mom, you you begin to grow concerned. And I wrestled with a lot of fear in this season. 
Samuel's a year and a half old. He's not responding to my voice. I, I am not understanding like what's going on. Like, is he just being defiant? Is he just flat out like rebelling even at a year and a half old? And and then I'm like, he's lining up toys and he's flapping his hands and he's only eating certain colors of food and certain textures. And so I became very, very worried and and I just started praying and asking the Lord, like, what is going on? This is, I don't feel like this is normal. These are, these are not normal things that, that, you know, kids do. And, and, or so I thought. And so one day I was sitting there and I was just upset, crying and just, you know, seeking wisdom. I needed wisdom. I wanted wisdom from God, what to do in this situation. Was it just something that he would outgrow and and it was fine? Or was it something that needed to be addressed and, you know, further steps needed to be taken? And I'll never forget, Holy Spirit clearly said audiologist. And I did not know what that meant. And so I Googled it. And most of you, I'm sure know what that means. That is a hearing doctor. And so I was like, okay. So I called my husband. I said, I feel like the Holy Spirit said we need to get him to a hearing doctor. Within like a week, I believe, I got him in. And I will never forget that appointment. That was the appointment that started this journey of of God just stripping me of fear, of, of stripping me of what the world defines kids as stripping me of of being careful the what I say and what I come into agreement with and how I label children and and so I'm sitting in this doctor's office and the doctor the audiologist you know does this hearing test on Samuel and within five minutes of evaluating him he looks at me and he says ma'am your your son is legally deaf and in that moment it was like my world stood still and I began to weep because I started having flashbacks of all of these times that I would yell his name and he wouldn't look. And all these thoughts that I had of, oh, he's a strong-willed child. Oh, this is going to be terrible. How am I going to do this? Just the most negative and fearful thoughts that I'd had in the last six or seven months, I, I just broke and realized that none of it was true. The truth about the situation of my son was that he was legally deaf, and that is why he wasn't responding, and that is why he picked he developed some um, some interesting habits, and and that is why his speech was delayed at a year and a half. I never heard my son even like make noises, make sounds, attempt to talk. And so after gathering myself, he said, you know, your son needs to have surgery right away. He's got some drainage that has hardened around his eardrum and it's preventing his eardrum from sending vibrations to his brain. And so there's misfiring happening. And so we got into surgery within the within like three days and I will never forget that day my husband's out of town I'm I go to take Samuel in for pre-op and I'm sitting there and I'm holding him and they're hooking him up to all these machines and these things stickers are all over his chest and his head and all of the, there's like multiple machines buzzing and beeping I mean it sounds like we're in a in a a room full of parakeets it's beep 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 like chirping all different pitches and I just remember holding Samuel and him just looking at me and just 
it was like he was looking at me with love, just admiring that I was his mom. He had no idea what he was about to go through and tears just streamed down my face. And I remember kissing him and praying over him and handing him over to the surgeon and leaving the room. And my mama's heart was so anxious and I just sitting in the waiting room and praying and just trying to keep my mind fixed on Jesus. And after the surgery, they came in and they got me. They said, you know, we want you to be there when he wakes up. And so I go back in and, you know, he's been sedated. And so I pick him up and I'm holding him and they tell me, okay, we want you to start waking him up and talking to him. And mind you, the machines are still going off, beeping and chirping and they're monitoring his heart rate and they're monitoring his oxygen and they're monitoring monitoring all these different things. I don't even know. And so I begin to say, Samuel, Samuel. And he opens his eyes and it's like, I said, Samuel. And then his eyes just flew wide open. And then his head started to turn and he was tracking all the noises, all the beeps, like, and it was very dramatic. Like he'd turn his head to the right and then he'd look up and then look down. And then he'd look at me and he would look to the left. And I just began bawling because I'm like, my son just heard my voice for the first time. And my son just heard noises for the first time. And I sat there and I held him and I just weeped over him. And I just thank God that his hearing was restored, that that now my son was hearing for the first time. And I remember getting him to the van and putting in him, putting him in his car seat. And our van has um, the Bluetooth technology where you can call and it goes through your van. And so I call my husband and I'm like, Travis, the you know, the, the surgery went well, we're out, we're on our way home. And as soon as my husband said, Samuel's okay, I remember looking in the rearview mirror to check on him and he turned his head, he pulled his head way out to the right. And he was acknowledging like hearing his father's voice for the first time. And I lost it again and I began to weep like, oh, Travis, he's hearing your voice for the first time. He's responding to his father's voice. And it was the most incredible thing because God had restored my son's hearing and God had healed my son's hearing. And so from then we went months, we continued on and, and Samuel, you know, the flapping continued and the sorting colors continued and the weird food things continued and, and not wanting to be touched very much continued. And then he had this other thing that he began to develop where transitions, if we were playing with toys and then we stopped abruptly to go to the dinner table, it would be a full on tantrum. It would be throwing his body on the floor, screaming and crying. His emotions were not matching reality. If we were going to a grocery store, we're in the car, he's fine. As soon as we get out of the car and step into the grocery store, I had to make sure that he never had sippy cups or anything in his hand because it would go flying and then he was on the floor just screaming and it would take quite a few minutes to console him and calm him down. And in the beginning, I I just wasn't understanding. And as time went on, I began to learn how to maybe, um, I learned how to um, help him understand like, okay, Samuel, we're we're going to go to church. I would say it multiple times, like preparing him. I'm, we're going to go to church. Okay, honey, we're going to get out of the car. We're going to go to church. And, 
you know, that would help to some degree, but he was still having these issues. And so we got him into speech therapy immediately after his hearing was restored because he should have been speaking words by two years old. And so he's two years old. We get him into speech and he's in speech. They, they evaluate him and, you know, within a year he's he's saying a few words. And it was probably nine months into that speech therapy that his speech therapist pulled me aside and said, I think that we need to have him for, further evaluated. As I've been working with him at that point, Samuel was going to speech twice a week, so it'd be two hours a week. Um, she brought up the big A word. I think your son has, he could be on the autism spectrum. And again, these are things that I had wrestled with and thought about for months. And so I just remember just a pit in my stomach, like, oh gosh, another journey we're about to go on. Like we had just been through this whole hearing thing and, and, and also grieving that he's not like, he's two years old and I've never heard him say mom. I've never heard him say, I love you. I've never heard him. He's two years old and I don't know what his favorite color is. And I don't know what, you know, when he gets hurt, I don't know what's hurting on him or if he's just crying. I don't know because we were not communicating. And at that point I began to teach sign language, but we were just struggling with that. And so I was feeling very, very defeated. And I began to reflect on like, was it something I did while I was pregnant? Did I eat the wrong thing? Did I take the wrong medicine? Did I do something wrong? And, you know, I had to go on a journey with God and, and being freed from condemnation and being free from guilt and shame because it was nothing I did. And holding on to the truth of Psalm 139, what, did I believe that Samuel was fearfully and wonderfully made? Do I believe that God can redeem the situation and restore his speech and and heal his body? And so the word of God was constantly being tested in my heart. And um, and so we go through with the evaluation. We we see a psychiatrist. We go through the three or four hour evaluation. Evaluation. It was painful. It was absolutely painful to just watch my son fail every single test that this doctor was doing on him. And so she, she said she'd get back to me in a few days. She had to do all the work up and blah blah blah. And so those few days were just blah. That's what they were. And so I get a phone call that the paperwork's ready and I need to come pick it up. And I'll also never forget that day. I drove into town and I went and picked up the manila envelope. And, you know, she had had some words with me. She had told me, you know, yes, he's on the spectrum. You need to get him into therapy. He needs behavioral therapy. He needs occupation therapy. He needs food therapy. He needs um, more speech therapy and you know, he's going to be starting school. So he needs to get this program and he needs to, you know, I need to apply for this program and we need to get him evaluated here. And it was literally like, I just went into tunnel vision. My head was swirling, like all of the things I remember just faking it till I'm making it smile. Yes, ma'am. Grab that manila envelope. I got into my van and I lost it. I pulled the papers out And I began to read over them and I saw those words and I just began to grieve. I grieved because I wanted my son in in my, in my eyes, I wanted him to have a normal life. I wanted, I wanted him to, to have all of these things and to do all of these things. But 
the challenges that we faced were limiting him and I didn't know what I was going to do and and at this point I'm pregnant with our third Zeph and I'm just like I don't I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can if I can handle three kids and one being special needs and and all the things and so I just remember grieving. And going on this journey, me and my husband, we jumped right into getting more evaluations. And, and at, at this point, we're like, he's two and a half, almost three. And we're, we're having therapy. We're having occupational therapists in our house every week. We're having a speech therapist in our house every week on top of going to a facility for speech. So he's getting speech four times a week. We have a behavioral therapist we're that we're we're on a waiting list for but they're also there's a therapist coming to our house that does occupational and behavioral and then we have someone coming to the house to help us with food aversions and it was it was 2019 it was literal hell hell i my kids were i had three kids under 3 and it was just exhausting mentally but again i just remember just God, I believe your word. God, I believe that you can heal him. God, I believe that that your blood speaks a better word over my son. And I remember um, one day my sister coming over and she was like, hey, I had a dream. And and if anybody knows me, I, I believe that God speaks to us in dreams. Daniel 2 talks about how God gave Daniel all uh, dreams and he gave him all the interpretations of visions and dreams and so God can God communes with us in the night hour um, me and my husband are are dreamers and Holy Spirit gives us interpretation of those dreams and so I my I am listening when someone says hey I had a dream I take it very seriously because I believe it's another way that the Lord communes with us and so my sister says hey I had a dream and in the dream Samuel's like five four or five. He's like around this age. And at this time he was three. She was like, you know, around this age where he's at a little bit older. And she said he was talking in complete sentences to me. And I remember in my dream, just being baffled. And again, I began to cry and I just, my spirit, my faith attached to that. And I said, God, you've given a dream to my sister and, and I'm, I'm believing that this will come to pass, that my son is going to be talking in complete sentences. And, and she said, in the dream, he was perfectly fine. Like, he, he, there was no challenges. There was, he was just an, a, a normal little kid. Well, a couple months later, my brother calls me up. He lives two and a half hours north of us. And he's like, hey, I had a dream last night about Samuel. And in my dream, Samuel was about the age he is now. And he walked up to me and he started talking in complete sentences. And he was normal. And in my dream, I was shocked. Now, you know that when I heard that, I was freaking out because that's almost identically the same dream my, my sister had. Now, why would you, why are you freaking out, Tiffany? Because the Bible says out of the mouth are two or three witnesses that will be established. God was confirming to me that my son was going to talk in complete sentences, that my, he was going to heal my son. And so 
boy, I took that, me and my husband, and we just began to thank the Lord. And we held on to that through this journey because this journey was painful. Therapists in and out of our house watching my son. Listen, it was torture for Samuel when they were forcing him to try food that that he physically, like, it, it tripped him up. Like, he didn't want to do it. Like, forcing him to, like, touch 